0: and this is The Three Car Garage, the podcast that asks you what makes up your dream three-car garage. Each episode, I talk to guests about their car history and find out what their dream three-car garage is. But will it match yours? My guest for this, the first ever episode, is my brother. This is the pilot of The Three Car Garage. Bryce, thank you very much for joining me on my wonderful podcast.
1: Thank you, Bryn. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, very excited to talk about cars and try and derail you as much as possible by talking about motorbikes when you don't want me to.
0: Oh, curveball from the off there. My first question for you then is, is it garage or garage?
1: Uh, I would always say garage. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, garage sounds, um, I can't even think where that would come from. So garage for me.
0: Absolutely right. Bang on. That is the correct answer. It's got to be garage, isn't it? Three car garage. Anyway, we'll come to your three car garage in a little bit. But first of all, talk to me about your history with cars, not your own personal history necessarily, but you know your love, your hate.
1: So, (laughs) I I think you'll remember, uh, certainly as I was growing up as a teenager, in my early teens and mid-teens, I guess, uh, Max Power magazine. uh, There were copies of Max Power magazine everywhere. I managed to memorise the performance statistics of every single car that was in there, much to the amusement of my friends. Cars were everything for me. I remember getting a taxi with my mate James to watch the touring car racing at Thruxton. Just everything and everything was about cars. The faster, the noisier, the more tire squeal, the more smoke, all of those things, the better.
0: And of course Max Power had a lot of semi-clad ladies in it, it had I uh... mean,
1: that, that was an unfortunate byproduct, but yes indeed. <laughs>
0: so are there any notable cars that you can remember from when you were growing up?
1: Um so I remember things like when the XJ two twenty came out. I mean that was a game changer for the world of car for about three weeks um but that that was an amazing machine um and i think another one that really jumped out for me and was one i always wanted for a long long time was the lotus carlton i I would say those two together were were sort of off the shelf don't think you would say that but manufacturer produced vehicles and then um things i used to see in max power so where people would take a, a, a more mundane car, and I didn't—I never really got the Vauxhall Nova type thing, even though we're we'll probably contradicting myself in a minute. Um, but I never really got the Vauxhall Nova, Ford Fiesta type um, sort of vibe. But I liked the—I liked the more uh, random, uh, I guess, the Japanese cars that were coming across back then, and that type of thing. So yeah, collectively between the really, really special Jaguar, the really special Lotus, and then and then some. <laughs> People spent the same amount of money as Jaguar spent developing the XJ220 on a, um, yeah, on a Vauxhall Nova, um, that sort of combination.
0: Yeah, I never got into that. I was never the sort of person like you, actually, that understood why you would spend £5,000 customising your Nova so it looked like a worse Nova
1: than it ever could do to start off with. No, but we do need to remember that you were the person who upgraded your Ford Fiesta with Tippex.
0: Yeah, absolutely, but that did make it better. It did. True, that's true. it. The XJ220, that, that's on the cusp of my three car garage actually. It's just a beautiful, beautiful, it looks like a whale shark. It's a gorgeous car.
1: It's a boat. You know, by modern day standards, the ferry to the Isle of Wight is quicker. Um, but it's, it's just an amazing bit of technology, an amazing shape, amazing design. Just, you know, it's just, just like nothing else existed. Yeah, um, and a car that was named after its virtual top speed. There you go, and you know, completely untrue.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely. I love it, great car, great car. Talk to you about when you were growing up, the car that was your dream that you really Ooh, wanted to have.
1: That's a good one. I would say probably something like the uh, VW Corrado, you know, the, the VR6 or something like that, with the spoiler that pops up when it got to whatever speed it was. Uh, that, was that was the sort of thing, you know, uh, it, it, I don't know whether this is much of an aspirational thing, but that... That was just so cool. Yeah, I always fancied one of those, and now I'm at the position where I could have one of those, it's two old hats to really consider.
0: Yeah, it was a follow-on from the Scirocco, wasn't it? It replaced it.
1: Absolutely. Oh, exactly.
0: Yeah, it was beautiful. And then they decided to get rid of the Corrado and bring the Scirocco back, and yeah, there you go. Um, beautiful car, and a bit, of a bit of a classic now, a modern-day classic, or almost falling into the classic, isn't it?
1: Yeah, can you imagine? So some. And I even go back through some of the history of cars I've had, and if I'd have kept them now, you know, I'd, oh, I'd have money. <laughs>
0: could you imagine heaven forbid heaven forbid yeah. all right then so cars growing up in your family then any particular family car that you spent time in that you absolutely loved hated destroyed
1: so uh there's, there's a number of these you'll remember the holidays to cornwall um so you remember joe our stepfather his v8 rover p6 i love that car i remember loving the journeys to cornwall because you could lay against the wheel hub because of the way the car was designed the rear wheel in the rear seats and have a pillow and fall asleep and it was the white noise from it was just uh, yeah absolutely fantastic but that was a, that was a brilliant car and then I was warm remember-
0: though it was really warm it had that oh yeah it had like cloth interior and it used to have the smell of an old person's house oh i used yeah. to get in in that car
1: yeah, and I I remember other cars that Joe had. I mean, I remember the Volvo, and then I can't remember, he had a big Citroën, a Citroën CX. We used to get pushed in the back or wanted to, I can't remember, but I remember the journeys, you know, to and from Cornwall again in that car. Do you remember the trip where we had the bikes on the back and we pulled out of a junction and the, the boot fell off? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, um, <laughs> I remember yeah, random things like that. I remember other things, like when our dad used to come down. For some obscure reason, one time he hired a, a really horrible little Ford Fiesta and decided to adjust the steering column while he was driving, except for it was the bonnet release.
0: Oh, I remember that on the motorway.
1: So, what's yeah, this well, lever it's, do? It's oh, a <clears> really <throat> horrible rake. I need to adjust this rake. I just pull this lever. pronk the bonnet. <laughs> there you go. And, and so, you know, I mean, dad had some random cars over the years. Yeah. Um, that, the Fiat Chroma. Uh, the he had that citroen with the funny uh, citroen bx gti with the funny whale tail thing on the back I remember the scimitar. I love the scimitar. Oh, yes. Is it a purple one and a brown one? Mm-hmm. I
0: remember the brown one. I don't remember a purple one, but I have seen a couple of scimitars in the last few years, and it just takes me back straight away. It takes me back to a safari park with the monkeys jumping on the windscreen. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really funny. All I do is I see that scimitar, and bang, I'm there as a I don't know however old we were at that time. But it's really, I don't know, it's, it's strange. You know, like sometimes if you smell a certain smell or eat something, a certain flavour reminds you. Seeing a scimitar reminds me of that straight away.
1: A scimitar reminds you of a monkey's bum on your car windscreen. <laughs> nice, <laughs> just as it's pulling the windscreen wipe off there, the car. There you go. <laughs> for the look of. A look of uh, contempt in its eye. (laughs) And and all the camper vans, the blue one, we used to get out to the New Forest in that for weekends. Um,
0: I've got one memory of being in a camper van with Dad and you (laughs) on the way to the New Forest. And there was somebody on a roundabout and they did something stupid. And I remember saying to Dad, can we swear at them? And he said, "Yeah, sure." So there was you and me. I'm not sure if you were joining yeah. in. Yeah. Two fingers up, at this car, this car out yeah. the side window, this cab van going. Are oh, you just swearing at this person?
1: I I um I, I think I was far too refined to take part of that.
0: You're right, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> uh,
1: and then in terms of, in terms of other cars, um our stepfather's uncle, Uncle Robin, taking us out in his Rolls Royce when we were in Cornwall yeah. once. Yeah. And that was a Rolls Royce uh, Silver Shadow. Hmm. And you know, that was I mean, that was a treat, wasn't it? Wafting around in that car, you know. Wallowing I mean, was, around.
0: It was beautiful, well, it was absolutely stunning. Oh, but they were so, I, cannot, I can't remember it very much, but I can remember being in it and knowing it was a special car, just going, this is just incredible.
1: Yeah, it was, it was amazing. I was about to say that we didn't have any real fast cars, but um, Joe, our stepfather, he bought that Citroen BX16 valve, the white mm-hmm. one, okay. with a number plate Wham, which he crashed. But <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I remember, I remember that, I mean, that was phenomenally quick, you know, it was made of plastic had 160 horsepower, uh, and it was just... (laughs) See, my max power days are still here. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that was phenomenal. But other than that, they were pretty mundane cars, a lot of them, Volvo Estate, Citroen CX Estate, Dad's Nissan Bluebird Estate. Yeah, that type of thing. They were some pretty dull cars.
0: Gotta say, I think our stepdad has a history of owning cars that are as attractive as a wart on the baboon's bum. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, as you'll remember, he was like, it's not what it looks like from the outside because you can't see it when you're driving. Around. What did you learn to drive in? Uh, I had two driving lessons with a driving instructor in Farnborough, and that was in a Rover Metro. And then uh, I had two or three weeks in Cornwall with my granddad, Mike, and he taught us how to drive. You know, I used to go out with him in the morning for a couple of hours. We'd drive around Cornwall. Then we'd come home at lunchtime, I'd have some lunch, she'd have some whiskey, and then we'd be back out for another hour or so in the afternoon. I got such a lot of driving experience in some very interesting circumstances. In an old 1986 Citroen BX, I think, which you remember for other reasons. Because I owned it. Because you owned it, it turned into your
0: car, didn't it? It was a weird one, you, I think Joe, our stepdad had it, I think then his brother had it, and then it did come back to me somehow. I I did have to buy it. I remember that much because that's what I learned to drive in and pass my driving test in. And it was, God, it was ugly. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was it was, it was, was, was quite quick for, you know, 17-year-olds. 1.6 you know, litre. It was yeah, 1.6 yeah, litre. You know? It
0: had three different levels of suspension. Go high, middle, yeah. or low. And what yeah. people used to love, or that, that car, was as you were driving along, whack it into low and you just bounce around all over the place.
1: That's right. Yep, yep. You used to say, I don't know why the suspension pipe's broken again.
0: Ah, yeah, but that wasn't. That was every three months. The rattle of the engine used to shake the hydraulic pipe. It was a, <laughs> it was a, a problem with that particular incarnation of the BX. They fixed it because if you look at later models, they actually have like a little bracket on the engine itself, and the hose is is attached to the engine, so it shakes with the engine. Whereas <laughs> mine didn't I, have it. I, I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. Um,
0: anyway, back to you and your driving lessons.
1: <laughs> so I remember, like I say, two or three weeks in Cornwall driving around in that thing. I went away, booked my driving test, and the plan was to do my driving test back in Farnborough, but there was like an 8,000 year lead time on driving tests at the time in Farnborough, or a one week lead time if I went back to Bodmin and did it in Cornwall. So I booked my driving test in Cornwall, went back down to Cornwall, uh, had a couple of lessons with my granddad, and yeah, and that was it. And then the morning of my driving test, I'd spent the entire summer driving around in Cornwall without any rain whatsoever. And then the morning of my driving test, it peed down. We're in the summer in Cornwall, loads of traffic everywhere, it peed down with rain, roads turned into, you know, oily slicks. Um, Yeah, so that was was my car. That was my first real experience of, of driving my own car. In fact, no, I lie. Do you remember the blue Volkswagen Beetle that was parked up the little lane uh, at Grandad and Grandma's house? I do. And, and us starting it, and we were much younger than that, us starting it.
0: We must have been about five.
1: I no, must have been, been ol- about
0: five and you must have been about seven.
1: No, we were been older than that. I would, I would say 10 and, uh, really? ten and eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we started that and lurched into... The car in front, I think, there was a load of old cars that had just been left there, lurched into it. And then gradually over the period of a few weeks, we put so many dents into it by lurching forwards and lurching backwards.
0: I don't (laughs) think there's any we involved. I think it would be you and me sitting in the passenger seat egging you on, probably.
1: Probably, yeah. And then we used to convince Dad to let us drive the cars. And at the time when this sort of started to happen, Dad lived in South Wales. And so we used to drive around the industrial estate. And I remember there was a, I can't remember where it was actually now, somewhere in Wales, there was a, um, a mine. Oh, be quite a lot in Wales, to be fair. <laughs> But there was a there was a mine, and we were uh, and we, we both were driving the car around there. And Dad used to let us steer or change gear as well. So he'd drive along and he'd pretend to be asleep, and we'd be steering the car down the motorway. Yeah, all we'll, we'll safe things like that.
0: He'd do stuff like you know, he's got to open a packet of sweets or something. So he would just take the steering wheel and we'd have to yeah. just hold it. And yeah, I do remember changing gear a lot. I remember you know saying to Dad, "Can we change gear now?" And I also remember panicking because I didn't know when to change gears. So he'd go now and I didn't know what gear to change into. Is it second, is it third, where do I go? And I slowly got to grips with it, but I do remember panicking, thinking, what if I never know when to change gear? How am I ever gonna drive a car? So I've now Um, got an automatic. (laughs) (laughs) So did you pass your test first time? I did, yes, yeah, and my motorbike test. I think the best drivers pass first time. Right, okay, so you and cars then. Talk me through the highs and the lows of your car ownership history.
1: Well, so my first car was a 1981 or a 1980 Mark I 1 Fiesta in metallic baby blue. And my friends were absolutely terrified every time they went in it. Um, do you remember the first trip to Dad's in Wales? And we drove all the way you know, along the M4. We did all that, no problem whatsoever. And then we got into the country lanes of Wales. And you were egging me on a little bit. And we came flying down this hill. I hit a bump, the car came off the road, as it took off, and then when it landed, I panicked and hit the brakes and the car squirrelled around left and right all over the place. And, and eventually, I, uh, I, you know, we came to a halt and I was like, Phew! put it back in first gear and carried on driving. And you're going, can we do it again? Can we do it again? <laughs>
0: I was destined to be a, uh, a an co-driver, idiot. <laughs> a rally co-driver. Oh, sorry. Yes. Never yes. Yeah, no, thank you. Never the driver, always the co-driver with those sorts of things. But nowadays, I'm a bit of a control freak, so I don't like um, being in the passenger seat when someone's driving like an idiot.
1: Uh, is that why you don't get my car very often?
0: Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I so like I'm that saying, Fiesta, that was a nice car.
1: It was great, for my first car. I replaced it very quickly with what would arguably be my worst car, and it was a red Opel Ascona, which is a Mark II Vauxhall Cavalier that had been imported from somewhere. And it was, without doubt, the worst car on the planet. It had dents all over it. Somehow the interior was falling apart. And so we, it was like we were getting straw would come through the interior and poke you in the back or the you know, bum or wherever it is. The engine didn't work very well. It smoked. Yeah, everything, everything about it was awful. But It should have been put down. So, yeah, that was definitely the the worst experience of a car and I I replaced that one with a Mark II grey Cavalier SRI Uh,
0: Yes. Yes. Now we're talking. Yes. That was beautiful. That
1: was, that was awesome. I was 18 and it was a brilliant car and it was, it was, yeah, everything about it was great. It was fast. It was big. It was comfortable. It was everything that the Skona wasn't. And then I decided to make the boot completely unusable by filling it with, I think like 10 millimeter MDF and bass speakers. And you hear that now you hear the absolute morons driving down the road and you can't hear the bass, all you can hear is <laughs> <laughs> most parts of their car rattle, uh, and it just sounds awful. Uh, well, that was me.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was, that was what I did with that one. But anyway, that was other than that. That car. Didn't was you
0: crash brilliant.
1: that one? I reversed it into an MOT station when I went to book it in for the MOT. I thought you went
0: through a field, or you hit a bit. Oh of yes.
1: No, no. I did that as well, yeah, I forgot about that I was going too fast, I'd overtaken someone on the country lane in Wales Uh, There was a load of, you know, the muck spreaders Had been down the road and decided to spread it down the road and not the fields I was going too fast into the corner and I managed to spin it into the corner and put it through a hedge Um, (laughs) And and somewhere I have a photograph of my car with no front bumper As I'm trying to fix it before Dad gets back Did you? Yeah, I think so And then I moved on to Sirocco's. I Had a white one, the GTXI. That was awesome, but very, very fast. That got written off twice. And believe it or not, neither of those two were my
0: fault. Mm, mm,
1: sure. And then I got replaced with another one, which was not quite so flash. Wasn't that the GTL? Was it a GTL? That's right. Yeah.
0: It wasn't as pretty. I remember your your GTXI was absolutely stunning. It was white. Yep. It had, I think, it had black trim. Over the yep. wheel arches, yep. it was a beautiful car, really low to the ground. I remember it felt like it was quite a low slung car.
1: Yeah. So the difference between that and the GTL, apart from the fact that the GTXI was much faster, they had the same engine, but one was injection, one was carb. Was the suspension and yeah, the trim and what have you? But it was it was actually a much more fun car to drive because you were you know, being a teenager, you are on the limit of the handling, but at thirty miles an hour instead of, sort of sixty miles an hour.
0: Gone in so you talked us through some well, of the horror shows.
1: This is a horror and also awesome. Um, has it got it, a
0: badge beginning with A?
1: It has, <laughs> yes. I had two cars beginning a badge beginning with A. Yeah. Uh, the, the first one was an Alfa Romeo 75 2-litre twin spark. Uh, limited slip differential, dd on rear axle, uh, it, uh, inboard rear discs. It was a gearbox at the back. Absolutely awesome car. It was really, really fast. It looked... Um, ugly is the word yeah it looked like a ford orion that someone had cut and shut in front of the a pillar and behind the c posts and then joined but at different angles
0: it was just so angular and yet no angle was (laughs) appealing
1: yeah I i think that's fair but it was one of the cars I should never have sold because they're worth decent money now.
0: It was red. You it had was. a red Alfa Romeo. I mean, come on, I that's did. the dream. That's one of the dreams anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and it was it was brilliant. It would do some really strange things like if you ever filled it fully up with petrol, which I was a student, so that happened didn't happen very often, it would not start for about 10 minutes afterwards. So you used to go to the petrol station, fill it right up, and then you'd have to push it out of the way until 10 minutes had gone past, and then it would start and it'd be fine. The sunroof knew not to close if there was rain forecasted at some point in the next six hours. Um, Actually,
0: it's yes. funny because I had a, I had an Alpha Spider and it was it was ugly, but I, it was beautiful at the same time. Red leather interior, you know, it was soft top. Lovely, lovely, lovely. But if you needed to get that roof back up because yep. rain, it refused to work. Yep. If it was bright sunshine and you thought, I just need to put the roof up, it worked a treat. I don't
1: know Absolutely. what it was.
0: They're just ah oh, temperamental i don't know what the word is italian i suppose it,
1: it was genius but it was you know the, the 75 was an absolute i mean i was 18 it was not the type of car if anyone's listening to this and doesn't know what it is google alfa Romeo 75 and you'll understand what an ugly beast it was but you'll also understand what on earth was an 18 year old cool dude like myself driving around in one of those four um word but of warning, was...
0: if you do google it or whatever when the page comes up squint to start with so your eyes focus slowly <laughs> you don't want them to go bam straight like yeah what were you doing with a car like that it was way too powerful
1: it, it was uh, it was just brilliant it was uh, yeah everything about it i learned how to power slide that and it was one of those cars that you could just power slide around roundabouts in in a, in a totally socially responsible way. It was mm. just fantastic. But you could do it at 20 miles an hour. You could do it at 50 miles an hour. It wasn't one of these rear-wheel drive cars which lurched around it. The handling side of it was fantastic. But yeah, I would say out of all of the cars I've had, that, that was the one I regret selling. It was the one that um, taught me how to drive. And it was the one that was just awesome in so many ways.
0: So would you say... Looking at your history of cars, that was your best car.
1: Um, I don't know. My current car is good in a way. Yeah, actually, no, that's like Yeah, it was my, it was it was the best car. It was awesome.
0: It was a beautiful car. It wasn't a beautiful. No, it wasn't. It was a exactly. beautiful car as a <laughs> yeah. car, but it wasn't a beautiful yeah. object.
1: It's frustrating that in many ways in my life, in another area where I peaked at the age of eighteen and it went downhill from there. <laughs>
0: So that's the car that you, your biggest regret of getting rid of, I suppose, looking back now in your infinite wisdom that you've managed to accrue over the years. You've got a number of cars that you've not mentioned. Which of those cars would come second best?
1: It would probably be the other Alfa Romeo, the 156. I had a 156 sports wagon, sport something rather, so it had a nice body kit on it. Um, it was, again, a twin spark engine. Front wheel drive this time, but it went like stonk. It was beautiful, and the interior was amazing, and it was probably the most modern, perhaps not gets of my current car, but the most modern, up-to-date car that I had. I see them now still, and I just think that was that was a beautiful-looking estate car. It was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I would say that, I would say that one for a multitude of reasons.
0: Mm, yeah, and because you've had two Alphas now, you are officially in the Petrolhead Hall of Fame.
1: or Or an idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've had two alphas, and I'm definitely the latter.
1: Yeah, there you go. Let's be clear about this one. I was less uh, anal about the state of my cars than you were. Um, so, you know, I, they were allowed to be driven, whereas yours, you cried if they got dust on them.
0: Yeah, I did, but I also forgot to put oil in one, and it blew up, so, you know.
1: That is that is true, yeah.
0: It still looked good, though. It looked good on the side of the road with blue smoke coming out the back of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm going to change sort of tangent slightly, because I, my fastest car, and and, and the one that surprised everyone i brought a a saab 95 aero uh, and then remapped it so i I had it tuned again that was an estate car you had to write ahead to tell the car that you were approaching a corner but once you left that corner it was scorchingly quick until you got to another corner so it it was it, it was almost like driving an american car except for it had grip and ride quality
0: yeah now i'm gonna say something controversial here I have never I don't think ever identified a Saab that I like the look of <laughs> so I'm sorry if you're anybody out there listening is a Saab lover but I just didn't get on with them what is it with you and owning ugly cars okay you've no no no
1: you're wrong Saab 95 is a, a distinguished a handsome car it was brilliant
0: all right <laughs> I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you have that one, but I'm, I'm not saying I agree. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Land, Land Rover Freelander, that was an ugly car. Oh, uh, The VW Passat State, that was an ugly car. Uh, the BMW 5 Series Estate, that wasn't ugly, it was just green, uh, which made it ugly by definition. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit lost other, other, other than that. You've made some good points. I mean, the current Volvo that I've got, the current Volvo V50, is a good-looking car.
0: Yeah, it's nice. It's nice because you you've taken the Volvo badge off of the front and you've put some different wheels on.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I've changed it, haven't I? Yeah. I am 43, going on 18 still.
0: Yeah, it's got presence. It is a nice car. And it does sound great as well.
1: Yeah. You know, I would probably keep that car forever if they could fit a decent automatic gearbox to it rather than the awful one that Volvo provides.
0: Okay, so how do you prioritise a car when you're coming to look to, say, potentially buy one? Is it performance? <laughs> is it looks talk me through your process
1: okay so at the moment i am randomly looking at whether i change my car my current auto trader search is estate 0 to 60 less than eight seconds and automatic and petrol so that's my criteria and that allows me to at least look at quite a lot of different cars that mostly limits it to audi bmw mercedes and a couple of other ones I'm kind of lacking in the world's department here. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me right now, and which is pretty much why I've stuck with the car I've got. So my requirement is always less than you know, eight seconds to 60, and in fact, that's my requirement.
0: <laughs> now, you have moved away from four wheels a couple of times, haven't you? From four wheels to two.
1: Uh, three times, in fact. Oh. Um, well, you did the same thing. We were not allowed motorbikes when we lived at home. We were allowed stupid cars and stupid stereos, but we weren't allowed a motorbike. So pretty much the first thing we did when we both bought our our flats was uh, get a motorbike license. And I bought a little tiny Suzuki ER100, I think that's what it was. I'm I'm a very delicate gentleman, but I have a slightly larger stature than others. So I looked a complete tit riding around on this little fake motocross 100cc thing.
0: Picture, I'm gonna let the audience picture this, SpongeBob SquarePants on a broomstick, <laughs> 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 and that's not. And that's not because I'm not doing you a disservice. It's because you wore a really big jacket that made you look. Because it also had the shoulder pads. Because it was a, you know, it was a bike. It it, it, looked, it
1: made you look square or a rectangular thing on yeah, a no, very no. very small hairdryer. I do understand why moped riders don't have decent safety gear because uh, they look like idiots, but I didn't I didn't care. I knew with my track record of cars that I was going to come off and I wanted to to, to be OK. And, you know, I, I, when I did come off on that, that, that little bike, I was OK. So it, it was worth doing. Amen to that, sister. Yes, yeah, so I had that and then I passed my full motorcycle uh, test the first time around uh yeah and i bought a kawasaki gpz 500 and it was that was brilliant i I used to ride around all over the place on that thing and then for some obscure reason i decided that sports bike was the way forward and i bought a zx6r ninja uh, kawasaki and i was right that was awesome and i tested that to its full limit on the a331 and that was absolutely fantastic i Had a few issues, a few problems with that one. And I ended up using it as a track day bike entirely because I was about to kill myself. So I just used it on track days. I think actually it was a connection with the fire service because I was in the fire service then and I went to a couple of particularly horrible motorbike crashes. And that was kind of, that's why I didn't want to ride motorbikes on the road. Did track days with it and then decided to get married and and needed to sell the motorbikes to pay for the wedding. That was the end of motorbikes for me. And I still have the itch.
0: There's one word or is it two words, not sure. That put me off riding a bike nowadays and it's not it's not my own name <laughs> it's the word <laughs> it's the word potholes oh yes yeah, yeah i just yeah. i look i look at the state of the roads nowadays and i think do you know what motorbike riders get you know a bad press because they do take risks and you know they, they do there's no doubt in that but with car drivers in their little boxes of joy listening listen to their loud music and stuff like that missing the fact there's a motorbike right on the outside of them and then chuck a pothole in as well it's just a recipe for disaster
1: um, yeah, that's a good point. I've not thought about that one, actually. It's, yeah, the roads are terrible. Absolutely agree with you.
0: Right, so let's move this on then to the title of the podcast, your ideal three-car Garages. You have infinite money, infinite time to choose your car, but the only rule is they have to exist right now. You can't have cars from the future. So... What's your 3 car garage and how did you choose these cars?
1: Okay, so first it's going to be relatively uh, obvious, I think, given the, my history of estate cars. I really like a subtle, fast estate car. So I, I, I would either go down the route of having something like a, an Audi RS4 or RS6 or possibly if I could get an M5 estate or you know, whatever the Mercedes equivalent or Jag equivalent of that type of thing. Or the same, but as electric. So it sounds like a random choice, but it would be something in those areas. So I'm not going to give you a specific because I can't. What it would be is it would have no badges on it. Or if it did, it would have like 1.6L. I would be well up for embracing the electric vehicle world in in that type of vehicle. I think that would be really cool. Can I get away with that as my first car? Yeah, of course. But that's
0: taken up one space of your three in your garage. It's a lovely car, though, the RS6. Why not? Go for it.
1: So <laughs> I'm gonna regret my second choice because I've just realized that the point of having a state car is it's practical, but I want a van. I want something like the new Ford Transit with one of those interiors where you can switch things in and around so you can turn it into a sort of a camping day wagon stroke, you know, then you can turn it into a load lugger, but I want it fast. So whatever version of fast they do, I would like that and automatic. Guy Martin, you know, you've, see, you've seen some of the stuff he's been doing with, with his vans. Yeah, he's done some pretty cool things with the vans. So he smashed one up, didn't he? And then decided to turn it into a um, a, a record breaking van. Yeah, you know, I don't probably want to go to that sort of extreme. Again, not too overstated. He went a bit overstated with his and not the yeah, you see the Ford sport type ones where they've got you know they've, they've got stripes and flames and all that sort of crud all over it. Now I went plain black or grey or something like that. But I would yeah, I really like the idea of that.
0: Oh that's a bit yeah, you know, that's a bit left-field. Would you be averse to having it Painted to look like the 18 van.
1: <laughs> um, I would do it wrong. I would do something like um, I'd want it which it's gonna be hard to tell the difference between the 18 van and this, but I'd do something like trying to make it look like the night rider van.
0: Ooh, um, a kit
1: van. There you go. Yeah, that I like sort of thing. It. That sort of thing would be really, really interesting. That that's my first thought. Something along those lines, that, that could be quite fun. Or something else from that sort of era of, could you do a Chips van, Californian Highway Patrol?
0: It would be tricky. You'd have to take two of the wheels off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, something along those lines. But I, I feel like I might have lost, i you know, gone down the wrong way with this one, because actually that was kind of the, the point of having the van was because I wanted something practical, but then I realised that I've already done that with the estate car. Um, but I'm still sticking with that.
0: Well, that's fair enough. You've got your hot Audi estate. You've got your your transit van that can be turned into anything and looks like kit. So that is pretty yeah. cool. That'd be... Would you have an LED display on the back window that tells motorists, like, swear words and stuff as you're driving, <laughs> as you're overtaking them, like, get out the middle lane or things like that?
1: Uh, no, but i probably have it so that it would, it would say random messages. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, in the kit voice.
0: I like the sound of that. Do you know, I might change my three-car carriage. <laughs> we could get you, a deal maybe, get two for one.
1: But can you imagine, you know, someone pulling up, cutting you up or something like that, and you hit the horn and it says, Michael, who is that idiot? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, that sort of thing, re, yeah, really appeals to me.
0: Half oh, Loser,
1: <laughs> something like that. And then the
0: graphic of a, that two fingers swearing at them on the back screen. Oh. So you got yourself an Audi, estate rs6 a hot audi estate you got yourself a transit van your third and last car for your garage
1: okay so my my feeling with this one was that i want something either an old car like a coupe or a drop top something like that but rip out all the crap stuff that was in it before do you remember the old Alpha Spider, the one before the one that you had, which is really mm-hmm. useful on the podcast? Yeah, um, for anybody who doesn't know yeah. which cars I've had, yeah.
0: Oh, I do? Yeah. Oh, what a car.
1: <laughs> the, the, um, the, I guess it would be the 80s one, 70s, 80s one, Yeah, the Alpha Spider, because I carried on for quite a long time. I'd take one of those, and I would bin everything that is in there, I'd put a decent engine in it, you know, or, or make it into an electric car. So that would be one of the things that I'd love to do. That'd be really, really cool.
0: The, the alpha that had the, the headlights had the kind of the long covers that went to the, to the headlights. Is that the one you mean? Maybe. <laughs> it looks like it could be a boat. It looks like it could be a nice <laughs> that's, little- That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. you put a yes. sail at the top of it, it could there be a boat.
1: Okay, that's it. So know. something like that, but with a really cool drivetrain and it could be you know, a decent engine uh, or it could be electric. I mean, I'd even take the, the um, this is going to be helpful again, but the next GTV, which was the, the, the one that you had, the sort of 90s GTV. The one but that I named
0: JLO because it was very, very beautiful. but had quite a big back end.
1: <laughs> yeah, that one. But turn it into rear-wheel drive and then do exactly the same thing with that. So mm-hmm. that, that's an option. Okay. If I didn't do that, I'd have an F-Type V8, 5-litre V8 F-Type, Jaguar F-Type.
0: So you're going modern
1: yeah the aim of this would be that i either have a really cool classic car that the only thing classic about it is the body shell so like new interior all decent toys inside it or i go ultra modern uh, five litre v8
0: yeah okay well i can see an f-type i think is a beautiful looking car and i think the v8 sounds stunning and it's it's actually yeah i'd like to own that car right now it'd be very very nice. It's so tricky so you've got to choose between the F-Type, the V8 F-Type, or this Alpha Spider custom creation.
1: So if I got a long wheelbase wide body transit, if I chose the Alpha, I could have the Alpha park that in the back of the transit.
0: No, sorry, sorry that doesn't that doesn't count. I'm going to press you on this one, I'm going to to be firm to be fair.
1: Um, I'm going to keep the van and the F-Type and not have the Alpha.
0: Oh, but I can hear your heart breaking.
1: Yeah, yeah. I might change my mind in five minutes. Do
0: you know what? I'm going to give you a drive. You can park one on the drive. There you (laughs) go. Actually, out of those four, if you're going to have one of those cars on display so all the neighbours can see, which one's it going to be? The van. Oh, why the van?
1: Because it'll probably annoy everybody. Lovely,
0: lovely. On that (laughs) dramatic note... I think we should end it there. Bryce, thank you very much for sharing your car history and your ugly cars and your beautiful cars and the
1: things in between and for choosing your three-car garage. Three-ish car garage. No worries, Brent. It's been good fun. And I know it's been a pleasure for you to talk to one of your heroes.
0: Well, there you go. Bryce's three-car garage is actually four cars. It includes an estate car, a van, an old classic that's customised, and a modern V8 heavyweight, the Jag F-Type. What do you reckon? Do any of those cars make it into your dream three-car garage? If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and listen to more. Even tell your friends. If you didn't like it, well, you've made it to the end. So, hmm, there you go. I'm Bryn Lucas. You've been listening to The Three-Car Garage.